it was another night in which DeAndre Ayton would not be available for the Phoenix Suns. You're playing the Portland Trailblazers, a team that earlier this season provided the Phoenix Suns with a loss and not only beat them, beat them bad. 134 to 105 in Portland, the third game of the season. Put the Suns at one and two. Guess what? On a whatever night of the week it is, I don't even remember. Matthew, what night of the week is it? <laughs> it's, it's Wednesday night. Man. Wednesday night. Fantastic. Yeah, on I love Wednesday it when I think of behind the scenes. You have to bring me on. Huh? <laughs> on a Wednesday night in Phoenix, the Suns win by 10 over Portland and move their record to seven and three. Yes. They have not lost a game since the buzzer beater by Harrison Barnes. Doesn't that feel like it's very, very far in the rearview mirror, my friend? It does. It does. And uh, it's kind of a quiet little win streak the Suns have going on right now. I feel like this crazy NBA season, there's a lot of stuff going on, but the Suns are kind of flying under the radar. Of course, you have the Sarver stuff, but the winning, the players, us supporting them, you know, they're coming out here, they're winning every game. And sometimes they're not blowouts. Sometimes they, the other team can come back and make it close. But tonight it was a kind of an easy cruising win towards the end there. And I think that's a, a valid point that you bring up there is yeah it is kind of a quiet win streak because there's a lot of noise obviously going on outside of the organization and what the national media is focused on when it comes to the Phoenix Suns they're not talking about the basketball being played here they're talking about you know the guy who run, who owns the team and you look at some of the wins along the way in this win streak although their wins they might not have been as impressive as desired. You play Houston, you play the Pelicans, you play the Kings the other night, and it looks like you're cruising to a victory, and then you have a, an 11-point fourth quarter. So all of these little things along the way, you're like, oh, man, I just don't feel like this team's clicking. And then you look down, and you're like, oh, shit, the team is now 7-3. and three. This moves them. I, I Last I checked, they were the third seed in the Western Conference. Uh, mm -hmm. We'll see how the rest of the tonight play. Uh, yep, they're still... Still, Still the third seed, seed, which is fine. I mean, you know, they're they're uh, two games behind the Golden State Warriors, who are nine and one, and one game back of the Utah Jazz, who are eight and three, or, or they're half game back on them. So again, it might be a quiet win streak for the Phoenix Suns, but Phoenix Suns, but a win streak nonetheless. They win tonight. They beat Portland by ten, as as you mentioned, Matthew, in kind of a convincing fashion. Yeah, who cares who they play? Just get the win. That's all they're doing. They're still figuring stuff out, too. And that's the nice thing is this team is not even at full capacity right now. So any win really just counts, right? Amen. I mean, stack those dubs, <laughs> man. You got to stack those dubs. Yes. So, and while we're here, you know, stack those likes if you're watching on YouTube. Start pounding that like button. Show your support for the Suns Jam Session podcast. Uh, my name is John, a.k.a. Darth Voida. You can follow me on Twitter at that handle. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. I'm Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. And if you're not on Apple Podcasts, go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. Uh, plenty to talk about uh, relative to this Phoenix Suns victory over the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, but first, we got to pop them if we got them, right, Matthew? You got one, right? You're in Boston, right? There's plenty of beer flowing over there. Oh, oh yeah. Hotel water, huh? 
oh, the stories I'll tell at the back end of this podcast when it comes to Boston. You know, I don't want this to be like a Boston uh, podcast. So if you want to stick <laughs> around, hear some stories. We'll talk about it at the end. But yeah, I've got hotel water here. So yeah, Matthew, what are you drinking? I know it's got to be a Coors Light. Yeah, I got the Coors Light, and uh, yeah, this isn't a Ryan Rosillo podcast, so not enough. Uh, we don't we don't want to hear about the Boston stuff. You know, yeah, I was down in Charlestown. No, we'll tell some <laughs> stuff. But again, welcome, Jamsters. Go ahead, crack those beers if you got them, Matthew. Give us a little crack, ski. Let's talk about this 10-point dub, y'all. Convincing, convincing win for the Phoenix Suns. And... You know, I mean, I, I like to lead it off with the standardized question for my buddy Matthew here. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, we're going to talk about a ton, ton of different things when it comes to the, how Phoenix played tonight, why we won this game. But I got to ask you this question. Injuries are a factor this year, right? Like no Aiden, no Shamit tonight. Injuries are a factor, right? No, they are. Um, one thing I think we talked about before the season was we were so lucky last year with no injuries until the playoffs they occurred, but then we we managed to get through it. And of course, in the end, I mean, Chris Paul was way worse than what we thought. But right now, the injuries, yeah, get him out of the way. The thing is with DeAndre Ayton, who knows? I mean, even in the chat right now, they're asking about the knee contusion. How long do you even rest that? Why is he still out? And the reason might be is because we have the depth. And John, you're always right about the depth. The Suns have it. And many of us were always very, very happy with what they added this offseason to get that depth. And injuries are going to happen, especially in this season. There's going to be back-to-backs. It's more. It's not as condensed as last year, but it's going to be a full season. And after playing as much as they did last year, I just expected it to happen too, but it hasn't been crazy, right? It hasn't been too much to where, you know, ACL stuff like that. So yes. I don't even want to say that. Yes. I'm just saying like, uh, praise, like knock on wood. Like there's nothing that I hope happens anymore, but I mean, it's going to happen, right? It's part of the season. And if you look back at the 2020, 2021 Phoenix Suns and their run to the NBA finals, it was a relatively injury free season. Outside of like Abdul Nader having a knee problem or a leg problem that no one really cared about except Monty Williams, who has a massive love affair and needed him, needed him, I say, in the NBA finals. I put together an entire piece on Brightside where I analyzed how healthy the Suns were compared to their opposition for the entire season. And it was unreal how healthy that team was. And when you have a first team that is that healthy and a second team that is that healthy, you're going to be one of the best teams in the NBA. And we saw that with the Phoenix Suns this year, or I'm sorry, last year. And I think that James Jones, and we've mentioned this numerous times, but it's worth mentioning it again because of how prevalent uh, the depth of this team was in this victory over the, uh, the Portland Trailblazers. You know, that's what's important if you want to have that sustained success because you're not going to have those unicorn seasons like the Phoenix Suns had last season where almost nobody got hurt for a long period of time and it wasn't uh, 
devastating injuries. Now, granted, we get to the NBA Finals. Game one, we lose Dario Saric, who is our backup center, and everything kind of crumbles from there. And that just goes to show you the importance of depth. But as we look at that, you know, you got to start asking the question. I was asking this question while watching this game tonight. And I mean, we're already about eight minutes almost into this podcast and we're bringing his name up right away. Frank Kaminsky, like, why didn't he get more minutes in the NBA finals? This guy tonight, uh, easily the, the talk of the podcast, the talk of Twitter, 32 minutes played tonight. Now, granted, you have JaVale McGee. He gets the start. And with eight minutes left in the second quarter, he picks up his fourth foul. Monty Williams gambled. Uh, JaVale picked up that third foul. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to gamble. Because JaVale was playing well up to that point. And he's like, you know what? I'm just I'm going to gamble. And then, boom, fourth foul. And it's okay. It's Frank Kaminsky time. And uh, what a show he put on tonight, huh? I mean, I had to bring it out, right? I had to get the... Uh, yeah, you're rocking the tank. Frank the tank tank top out again. <laughs> the only time I wear a tank top, really, is this Frank the tank. And it, it's well-learned by Frank to where I had to put it on. You know, the guns are out tonight. And... He could do no wrong when you thought he would stop and, you know, kind of find himself in, in an old situation where he might turn the ball over, or just throw up a terrible shot in the paint. Everything was just so smooth that everything's slowing down for him. Um, he's cutting to the basket. He's learning. I mean, speaking of Rosillo, he was talking today on his podcast about if players would just cut more for teams, it would open up so much more. And we have that on this team where a lot of these players will cut and Frank is following their lead and he's getting the mismatches. He's bringing the double teams later in the game, which is crazy. He's hit threes wide open. A lot of his stuff he's doing is what we expect Aiton to do, right? A game mm-hmm. like this tonight is exactly what we want Aiton to do. And of course, the defense respect for him. I don't think it's there yet. It's not 100%. I think they still let him do what he wants to do. If you're going to beat us, have Frank beat us, but he's beating them. He's a different player this year, right? It's just, why didn't Monty play him in the finals? I don't know. Maybe that's why Frank is so much better this year because he's, he's like, hey, I got minutes in the last finals game, and you never know. We might find ourselves back there again. Let me prove to you that I can earn those minutes and be the backup center for this team. Yeah, I think that you know his impact on the entire game and, well, I mean, I, I'm going to play the drop. <laughs> Like he gets he gets his own <laughs> drop from here on out the way that he's playing, you know. But kind of to your point, like defenses uh, aren't really respecting his offensive skill set, and I can see why. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before, where he doesn't necessarily get the respect from defenses or the fans uh, because he can be herky jerky sometimes. And you know, when he first came to Phoenix three four years ago, was it three years ago or four years or three years ago? I mean, he was just kind of an outside shooter, and you yeah. put him inside the paint and. There was no technical acumen. There was no uh, fundamental skill set that didn't look awkward and resulted in a, an empty possession. And as time has developed, you're seeing him become more comfortable with how NBA defenses play the him. Uh, Nurkic is somebody who he actually played very well the last time the Suns played him. Uh, he had a good game against uh, Nurkic as well, and we thought that he did a good job defending him and just kind of taking him out of his game. Uh, both JaVale and... and uh, Frank did that in the limited minutes they had in that game against him. And, you know, tonight we the stat line is just unbelievable. 31 points, 12 of 18 shooting, 2 for 5 from deep, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and 1 block for Frank the Tank, and 5 for 5 from the free throw line. 
uh, that's that's coming off the bench. You know, I mean, that, that, that wasn't a starter. That's somebody who's coming in off the bench because he's called, a con, a, called upon because your starting center is injured and your backup center is in foul trouble. And at that point, you're just like, shit, Nurkic is going to go off in this game. And Frank comes in and completely neutralizes uh, Jurkic, who ended with eight points on four seven shooting. He had six rebounds, three assists. I mean, that's not a Nurkic game. I remember the last time that uh, we played the Blazers and they blew us out. I was referencing Nurkic and how he dominates when he plays against the Suns. Not on Frank's watch tonight, my friend. No, and we can make the excuse maybe that the Blazers were a little tired. Nurkic maybe was tired from last night, but I don't even want to go there, even though I just did. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, Frank... He, when you watch him on the floor, you I know he's seven feet tall and he's kind of more slender, right, than a normal center. But he is just making up like the size that he needs against these big guys. He's making up like there's there's certain situations where he finds himself on defense. Really, like, oh, there's no way this guy will get to the basket. He'll throw a little jump hook over him. He'll do what he wants against Frank. But Frank holds his own. He does. He's always there, even on loose balls in situations. He's handling those well. Like he, mm -hmm. he's doing everything right. He must be on steroids or something because <laughs> things are slowing down, like to a batter trying to hit a fastball. Like I'm serious. Things are just like grains on his on his finger, grains of hair on his fingertips are like I don't know if you have those or not, but I guess he does. But <laughs> they are just standing up. <laughs> Every release of the ball in the paint, like everything is just to a T like he is doing correct right now. And it's funny because usually you don't, really, you don't want to talk about it too much because you don't want it to go away. You don't want to jinx it. But we've been talking like this about Frank for the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. And for him to get the 30 minutes, it's like, keep getting the 30 minutes. And Miguel's McGee, Miguel, Miguel, <laughs> JaVale McGee is just, he's the other guy too. So if, if Frank isn't doing this, we, we were talking about McGee and how well he's been playing too. Yeah. I mean, combined McGee and Frank Kaminsky went 18 of 28 and had 35 points tonight. I mean, that is fantastic. Production from the five position when DeAndre Ayton isn't playing. And we know that when DA is playing, I mean, he's about 12 to 18 points. He's somewhere in there. So you're getting this amazing production, which is, you know, tonight's a night where Devin Booker can sit back. He only had 12 points, five for 15 shooting, and he and the Suns win easily. And that's what team is. And that's what made this team so fantastic to watch last season was they were and had the capability to be a team and not have Devin Booker carry them every night or Chris Paul carry them mm -hmm. or Aiton carry. I mean, it was, everybody was contributing on a different night and that's what, you know, championship teams do. And that's why this team at the, you know, the first four or five games, we just didn't know who they were yet. And they were trying to figure out who they were. And then they, they just had to get on the court and play together and be like, Oh yeah, tonight's night. Frank can carry us to a victory. And, you know, uh, I believe Coda kid said it in the chat, you know, or somebody did, I'm sorry. I didn't, uh, I'm not giving the right props to the right person who said it in the YouTube chat, but make sure you hit the like button down below. Uh, but the defense too, the defense is fantastic. As you mentioned, like, you know, whatever they're throwing at him, he he's a great connector. We, that's the Frank word, right? He's a connector. So he's passing out of double teams if they're coming his way. If he has a small guy on him, he's using his technical acumen to put up a nice little jump hook over the defender and get the points. It's it's a lot less herky-jerky, and it's a lot more productive. And, you know, Suns walk away with a 10-point victory on the back of fucking Frank Kaminsky. 
Yeah, and also there's one thing you notice in this game, what we expect from Maiden, you know, when he gets the touches in the first quarter and he goes off, he's on a he's on a pace for 40 points and they go away from him. So tonight when you're watching it and the, the Blazers have come back, it's like four-point lead for the Suns in the fourth. You're thinking like, well, who's going to be the one guy to step up? But it's not. The team goes back to like the things that worked before. Where, where Frank is posting up and he's crawling the double team, but he's posting up on the mismatches. They're going back to that. Jay Crowder's wide open for threes. Chris Paul's wide open for his jump shots. Like they go back to what was working earlier. So it is mm-hmm. it is a team effort in the end. Like I was just waiting for someone like Booker or Chris Paul just to end the game. That's usually what you wait for with this team, but it was just a team effort in the end. Yeah. And again, they, you know, you've seen it in the past where, you know, maybe Frank is cooking, but then it, turns into booker ball at the end of the game yeah. you know and like that's not what's happening in this game uh real and just quick. really yeah oh, why well, are was, you whispering john so am i whispering i it sounds like yeah you got like a hooker in the bed sleeping or something. no i like i i literally i'm in a hotel room i'm in boston you know what i'm saying uh mm-hmm. fucking uh, uh uh how about fuck you, how about fuck yourself um and i think i hear somebody on the other side of the wall like hitting the wall because i'm being too loud when i talk because i have that deep bass kind of voice so it like kind of carries through stuff so i'm trying to talk yep. like in a manner where you guys can hear me effectively but i'm like i'm not gonna have like fucking somebody knocking on my front door here you know and be like can you fucking keep it down I'm like how about fuck yourself you know i don't want to have yeah. to go through that whole thing so that is why i might sound a little different tonight because i'm trying to respect my neighbors around here uh one last thing about frank kaminsky <laughs> oh there's not enough time in the world to talk about this guy but but another thing you know he, he's been playing so well recently and you love i mean he had a 10-0 personal run in the second quarter i mean that was fantastic unto itself um but do you when da does come back is there any chance matthew that you would run lineups out there where it's da and Frank Kaminsky, like Frank can play the five, DA can play the four. Like, is there something that he's oh. he, he's putting himself out there in such a manner where Monty Williams is going to be like, you know what, this guy's earned the minutes. Uh, the team plays well with him. Both he and DA are great passing bigs. Do I do I experiment with those kind of lineups? Same things I was I was thinking during this game because you worry. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but maybe it's not because. The way Frank is just so consistent on the floor and putting up the numbers he's he is and um, how he's able to find different ways to score, like the up and under, the pump fakes, everything that, you know, you want D.A. to do. You just you think like, will D.A. maybe play the four something that he likes to do? But then it, that's just like a whole situation in itself to where you're messing with what you already built with D.A. and how well he was doing the, the beginning of the year because he was him and Chris Paul were figuring things out. Then you got McGee, who is just the energy guy. Like, do you play Frank just in the first half? Do you give him the 10 minutes in the first half? And then you give McGee the 10 minutes in the four in the second half or something. There has to be a way to mix this up or maybe have them both on the floor at the same time. But I think Frank just plays the five so well because defensively he's there. He can hold his ground, like I said before. And I just like him in the middle. I like him as a connector in the middle, too. you know, and that's what he's so good at. So I don't know. It's going to be tough because I don't know if they play well together on this on the court at the same time. Well, you know, you see a lot of jamsters in the chat and they're like, you know, DA's dying to play the four. 
Uh, he wants to play the four. I don't know if we've ever actually heard DA reference that he would be more comfortable playing the four. I think it's a yeah, narrative yeah. that came out, you know, because when he was playing at the U of A for his one year, he played a lot of four because I forget who the center was at U of A, but he just kind of had a natural affiliation to that position. But we all knew that he would be an NBA center. He's not a seven footer. I think he's six. Is he six ten or is DA actually seven foot? No, DA is seven foot. Is he? I'm gonna look his yeah. basketball reference page real quick because I'm not 100 percent I know that Kaminsky is, but I feel like DA is like a six tenner. No, if anything, maybe six eleven. There's no way. Maybe he's six twelve. Yeah, six eleven's right. Yeah, he's six eleven. Aiden? Oh, okay. Yeah, six eleven. So again, I mean, he could play for. It's just a thought, you know. Again, yeah, this is, these are the kind of things as fans when you're analyzing the team and you're seeing one guy play as productive productive as he has. When Aiton does come back, mm-hmm. does Frank Kaminsky just kind of fade into the mist like Alfred Payton has now that campaign is back, or has he earned, you know, on on the back of a thirty one point night, has he earned the right to continue to play with this team? I don't know. It's it's gonna be tough, dude. But DA sit out as long as you need, because uh, they got you covered. <laughs> oh. They're doing a good job. Speaking of a boy, watch. Now listen, I know what you're thinking. DA didn't play. I think he's missed what, like three games in a row now. Sons are undefeated in the games in which he doesn't yes. play. But there's a reason why I have Aiden watched, and I wanted to get your kind of thoughts on this. Uh, you know, been working my ass off here in Boston and haven't spent a lot of time on Twitter. I'm at an orientation, actually, for the job that I work at. After two months, I'm at orientation, and, you know, they're, they're put your cell phones away. So I don't have my cell phone on me for the month. But every time a break happens, you know, you whip out the phone, you answer a couple texts, answer a couple emails, you pull up the Twitter, okay? Mm-hmm. Tell me why Ben Simmons' rumors for DeAndre Ayton are all over my fucking timeline. Why and what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, at least you're just whipping out your phone on breaks. Um, I honestly think... <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I don't know if um, I even saw that today. I did see rumor... Uh, so I don't follow as many people on Twitter, and I'm not on Twitter as much as like the normal person, right? Which is 48 hours a day. I just think that there was a... I saw that there was a rumor, but I didn't know it was that. So this is the first time I'm hearing about that. And you're going to hear that when a team starts winning without one of their players and they can get maybe somebody that can help in a different area, defense, um, a distributor, stuff like that. And I don't know where you would play Ben Simmons. Maybe you can play him at the five. Who knows? But I would never. What? No. Oh, man. That's that's a weird one, though. Could I think about that one and let you know next time what I think about it? Sure, sure. And I'll I'll just give a couple, you know, thoughts. I think that I forget who tweeted out originally, but, you know, somebody what kind of started the whole firestorm of this subject was somebody who is verified on Twitter tweeted out that uh, they were receiving text messages last night that the Suns are entertaining talks of Aiton for Simmons. And then in his opinion, what the fuck are the Suns thinking? And again, I don't know if there's any merit to this. I don't know if it's just a rumor. I wouldn't doubt it. The whole narrative, you know, uh, ever since. Uh, Jalen Rose said something kind of about how it was Robert Sarver who didn't want to pay DeAndre Ayton, u- utilizing a racial slur in the manner in which he dictated that. And then did uh, you hear about St- Stephen A., the release, saying no. that wasn't true? Okay, I guess I he just that. used it in a manner to explain what he thinks the Sarver says about Ayton, but I don't even know. The whole well, thing is very confusing. It's very confusing, but it's it's really not that confusing when you think that Jalen Rose just, like, hates the fucking Suns because they didn't play him a bunch in 2010. Like, you know, it's like the, the people who are coming out and saying a lot of shady shit about the Suns are a bunch of people who, like, 
don't like the Suns because they yeah. felt they were wronged by them. You know, that's their old Watson side. You know, the, what, what hurts his credibility in this whole thing is the fact that, you know, he was fired by this organization and he was known and players have said like he was, he didn't get along with the organization. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't for him. And there was a lot of friction there. Jalen Rose thing, same thing. Like there's a lot of friction there. Um, but yeah. anyways, you know, you have a little bit of that salt and, you know, or that story that's there. Uh, and then you have, um, the fact that Ben Simmons is the biggest name that's out there. So everybody's like, Hmm, well, if he's not playing because he's hurt and you know, there, if anybody's hurt and you know, it's because he's not happy, you know, so you take these national narratives and then you just start trying to link them up, you know, now one, I don't think the contract would uh, work, you know, and two, who, uh, who put it in here? It was uh Brunus 92. He's like, Kendall would not approve. Which yeah, that's, another, true. that's a big thing. <laughs> Just, you know, yeah. Scott Lacey says it. Ben dated Kendall. Never going to happen. That was my whole Blake Griffin angle forever. Like uh, our good buddy Zona Sports. He actually he wrote oh. a piece on ZonaHoops.com. Uh, did this whole extensive research during the whole Blake Griffin thing last year. And I, I was like, hey, Zona, dude, like uh, there's no there's not going to be any Eskimo brothers on this team. And he's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> they're all Eskimo brothers. But they <laughs> they honest. Yeah, but Booker, there's no, there's no, there's no kind of like competition with Book. Book is the ultimate guy to have on your side, holding hands. Uh, but really quick, back to Da. So you know, we're doing eight and watch, and the only time I get to watch him or see him is when they're taking photos of him walking to the plane, or also if he's on the court for a brief second watching practice. He does look. I'm just saying a little Disengaged. bit down. No, just down. Like well, maybe usually because he's not pictures, playing. His head's up. Yeah, but come on, really, DA? I mean, if he's not playing, he's fine. He believes in his teammates. Even in the bubble, he said, you guys don't need me out there to win. You guys are good enough. Like, he he knows his teammates can win. There's just something about him that's a little bit more gloomy. So I don't know if it was a Jalen Rose, what he said. He heard that, and he was like, well, what was that really said about me? So I think there's just something going on to where he mentally isn't there right now. That's just the way I'm looking at him right um, now. But yeah. it, it might not even be. It might just be the injury, of course, but if, when – when you have the knee contusion and people are just questioning and you're not seeing him anywhere and stuff for photos, I just think he just looks a little bit down in the photos. He does to me. Well, there you go. The body, the, the body language expert has spoken, yeah. uh, but we spent too much talking about eight. And again, you know, the rumors for him, Ben, Ben Simmons, I have no belief in that, nor do I even want to entertain those thoughts, even though I just did for about 10 minutes yeah. on the podcast. So, uh, bringing it back to the game again, a Suns victory, one nineteen to one hundred nine over the Portland Trail Blazers. Uh, you know, hats off to the bench play. You know, I don't, I don't know how much you guys talked about it. Uh, again, thanks to Suns Geek for covering yes, me on Monday. Uh, I was traveling across country. I flew from Phoenix to LAX to Boston uh, on Monday, and so I mean that game started at eight p.m. your time, so that was. Mm -hmm. Uh, 10 p.m. my time, and I was fucking zapped. And I'll yeah, tell you. and shout out to Flex too for filming in for me on Saturday. So you guys yeah. killed it. No, we got some we got some great support on the Suns Jam Session podcast. So we thank those both of those guys. Uh, but I haven't had a chance to listen to your pod. I'll be listening to it when I fly home tomorrow. When I fly Phoenix to Houston, or I mean Boston <laughs> to Phoenix to Houston on my fucking next journey. Fucking how about hey, um, But uh, did you guys talk about the bench at all? Because the bench again, this is two consecutive games mm -hmm. where the bench was fantastic. They were they had 33 of the Suns, 60 points at halftime, and they ended with yeah. 50 of the 119, obviously on the back of Frank Kaminsky scoring 31. But this bench play is, again, you know, when you talk about depth, you need consistency scoring offensively, obviously, throughout the entire game. And you're starting to really see those that 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 second team unit mold. And I don't think that it's 
uh, a coincidence that this is occurring once campaigns back. No, it's not. And you're right. I mean, the things he does on the court really opens up everything for everybody. It's just so much. It's the speed of the offense just, just goes up so many more notches when he's out there besides Alfred Payton. With Alfred Payton sits, and he's probably never going to play again until Cameron Payne gets hurt. Uh, it's just looking that way. Um, the offense is up. The tempo's up. Um, him finding anybody that is you know available for the open shot, driving to the lane. He gets to the lane. He can do whatever he wants. He can drive by the defender that he's... There's just so much. And we actually talked about the bench, and I brought up the point, like, does campaign have a chance? Now that Frank's playing the way he is, maybe he's a six-man, but does campaign have a chance maybe to make kind of like a, a little little headway in the six-man of the year? I know he needs some more games under his belt for stats and that, but he is just such a fan favorite. I was talking about when I went to the game, the uproar he had when he came into the game where just the fans missed him. Everyone mm-hmm. missed him because they know what he brings to this team. Um, but the bench is the same thing as last game where they came out and they scored like 36 of the first 69 points for the Suns at half. And you're getting it from everybody. And even if like Cam Johnson's not putting up the stats, which he had a couple big shots tonight from three, he they do it in every other way of the of the, of the game to really just go out there. They hustle. Cam Johnson always makes himself known out there, whether or not he's scoring or not. So yes, this bench is just the depth. Everything about it is just it's great. And you have McGee, of course, starting. So that's kind mm-hmm. of the bench, right? That's that's I'll count those as bench. He's points. an extension of the bench when DeAndre Ayton's obviously not there. He's getting the start, but we know that he's generally your energy guy coming in off the bench. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean this team, the way that they can carry over that momentum uh and and kudos to monty williams you know i think that we're overly critical when we look at some of his lineup selections and when he deploys different uh tactics both offensively and defensively with with different pieces if it's not successful for a short stint of time we're quick to be like come on monty what are you thinking and mm-hmm. i think that you know he's pulling the right levers right now you know again i mean he went with a 10-man rotation tonight uh, he gave Abdul Nader 11 minutes too many. Again, I don't care if he went two for two and had four points. He had three fucking fouls. I just, you know, again, that's all I'm going to say. His defense was a little bit better. His, his defense, he had some putbacks. He had two putbacks in this game. He had game. two, put, two putbacks <laughs> in, in his defense. So but I mean, there. again, again, he, I, I was talking about it with Flex on Saturday. I'm like, he's the over-hustle guy. He's Eric Burns when he played for the Diamondbacks doing front flips, uh, throwing the ball to second base. You know, it's just like, I, I'm just, I'm over it. Uh, but that's all I'm going to mm-hmm. say. I don't want to go too too deep into that because I think the Jamsters are probably sick of hearing it. Um, but I do think that again, you know, the the strength of this team is going to have to be its depth the entire season. That's a fact, and there that's why this run has started to occur. This this winning streak that we have going is because guys who normally are on the bench mm-hmm. are starting, and you know, the guys who are backing them up, our third team is coming in and they're providing quality second team minutes. That's Frank Kaminsky. You know, that was Alfred Payton. That, that, that's what this team is going to have to be to there. Who, if you're going to be successful, that's what you're going to have to do. And you look at some of the teams like the Lakers, for example, uh, I'm sure the Jamsters could let us know what the score is of that Lakers game, but they entered tonight going six and five LeBron's hurt, you know, uh, they're, they're going to have injuries. We know it's going to be injury, an injury prone team and their backups aren't necessary. They're just a bunch of more old guys. And that's why everybody at the beginning of the season, you know, unless you're living in LA and you're a huge Lakers fan, everyone who's not in the city of angels, the rest of the world is like, dude, this team, like you're going to need some walkers by the end of the season. 
And I don't know why they were getting the odds that they were relative to, to winning the Western conference, because you're just, you're not going to do it with a team that doesn't have depth because you just can't get the dubs. And a night like tonight is when again, depth, depth showed us, you know, and James Jones by taking some pieces that uh, as much as we love them, Javon Carter, you know, Langston Galloway, Etwan Moore, guys that we loved, uh, he's, he's like, I'm going to replace those pieces with more effective pieces that can provide depth if and when injuries occur. Tonight is a perfect example of that this was the easiest win. This was the easiest game to watch, I feel, all season. Do you agree? Yeah, it was. And even with the depth, um, we're not talking just, you know, the, the point totals, the stats. It's it's the amount of time that they can give these guys a rest. And Booker almost played 38 minutes tonight, which was kind of crazy because he only scored yeah. 12 points. Yeah. So those those minutes can come down. And I think a lot of his book needs that to get, you know, back into rhythm and stuff. But you're talking about the Lakers, what they have. Now you know that they're probably just focused on getting to the end. They don't care where they're at in the playoffs. They're that team now probably, but maybe we can wait another 20 games or so before we actually you know, say that they're, they're a team well, that's focused on the playoffs, no. of course. But right now, it's just you know, stay healthy for them. For us, it's, of course, stay healthy, but I don't really think we have to worry about that because the injuries we have, they're not even a big deal right now. I think we're kind of cruising right now in a way to where these games matter a lot because we want to get that one seed. We want to be the best team between us and Utah. It looks like right now that's what it's going to be. Of course, the Warriors, Golden State is hot right now, but who knows how long it's going to last. But as long as the Suns keep playing their game and find themselves and playing with the veterans they have, like Chris Paul, who is the guy that is a team leader, unlike LeBron, you know, these guys are going to learn a lot all season long and back to back. Who gives a F? You know, Chris Paul's going to play those back to backs. He's going to play through everything. So luckily he, I was looking at him today when he was backpedaling after hitting a jump shot. I'm like, I just forget that we should just be so lucky. We have that guy. It is just crazy it is, that we man. have him on this team still, man. And the way the Suns are playing, it just shows that he was just the right choice. And I know we say that over and over again, but I just can't get over it. Well, I was having a conversation with a guy uh, yesterday who I'm in orientation with, and he's from Washington, D.C., and we were just talking basketball. You know, like anywhere I go, I'm like, basketball? You know, I just kind of give him a, an eye, and if somebody's like, um, no, I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, everyone out here, they're like, fucking the Bruins. It's hockey. It's all about hockey. I'm like, what the fuck is You're looking at people across the room like basketball mm-hmm. basketball uh but he, he's he's like so chris paul you like him i'm like dude i hated him his whole career until he became a phoenix son and now i love like he's one of my favorite sons he's like no i can understand that man because he's uh, he's a great leader and that's you know that's exactly yes. what he is uh and you know he he navigates this team through ebbs and flows of the game and he knows kind of when and where to step up and and when to take a back seat uh floppy socks 44 in the chat he says i want book to average 28 this season or else he might get snubbed for an all-star and an all-nba again well, he'll get snubbed he, uh, he will this is a fact he will he just he takes too long to get ready or mm-hmm. to get going in this game and this uh season mm-hmm. and every season so it hurts him i mm-hmm. mean deandre i kind of wanted him to maybe poke his head in there but it's gonna take a while for him to get back so I don't know. It sucks, but it's something that I feel like is just going to happen every year until he becomes that 28-point game guy, but he's not right now. Well, and again, you look at his highest career averages. They occurred on really shitty teams. And I think that Devin Booker, and I said this a long time ago, probably before we even had a podcast. I'm like, listen, Devin Booker is going to be one of the greatest guys to have on a team when he's like in his mid-30s because he's just going to be a straight scorer. He's going to be the third or fourth option on a team at that point. 
and he's just going to cook because that's who he's designed to be. Like mm-hmm. as much as we love Devin Booker, like he's not a he's not a James Harden. He's not a guy who who from a usage rate standpoint, you want him to have the ball 33, 35% of the time and go for those 28 points. Uh, at least not recently, especially because his efficiency is continuing to kind of drop as he does what he does at the beginning of every season, as you mentioned. Like he he takes time to get into rhythm, the rhythm of a season, and then he starts to cook and he picks up the team and he comes out and he scores 12 points in the first quarter and then he ends with 23-26 because he has a solid back end of the game and he just kind of goes dormant in the middle of the game. But that's okay because, again, these teams are winning. He's doing what he's he, he's throwing in his contributing part. You know, so uh, I, I was at a I went to the Boston Celtics game tonight. I mean, I'm in Boston. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, you know what? I'm, you know, 22 bucks for a ticket. I went and I saw the Boston Celtics play the Toronto Raptors and you see Jason Tatum uh, just, you know, chucking up shots. And I'm just like, man, I just, oh, that team. you know, it's just, and, and I don't want them Booker to ever be that guy. And you're starting to see him be that guy where he, his efficiency is dropping. I hate inefficient Booker, you know, five for 15 tonight for 12 points. It's not what you want. As you mentioned, he had the 37 minutes, but they weren't really taxing minutes. I feel like he wasn't obviously focused so much on scoring. So he could, you know, in air quotes, take plays off. But yeah, we're not going to see 28 point Booker. That's just not who this team is. This team is, as I mentioned, in every sense of the word, a team. Now he's going to have those 28 point nights. He's going to have those 35 point nights. He's going to drop 40 a couple times this season. He might even get to 51 night when the team needs him to, but they don't need him to. Like the Boston Celtics, like they need Jason Tatum to try to score as many points as they can because they just aren't as offensively. Uh, There's no flow. Yeah, there's no flow. It's a, it's a bunch of, you know, screen. Uh, uh, like, they've got Dennis Schroeder on that team, man. God, I just watching that guy run, run around wearing number 71. I'm like, dude, I feel bad for these fans. Yeah, he, like, he's he's a ball hog. He, he really, he's just uh, all about me kind of guy. Uh, and that's, you get a lot of guys on that team. It's just not fun to watch. Yeah, and then Haydot Zero actually said Lillard is having a bad season, so that might help Booker, too, with the all-star thing. Because Booker right now, 23.8 points per game. Um, six six rebounds and five point two assists. So those aren't bad stats. No. They're really not. The efficiency's down. And your so team's just imagine winning. if it, yeah, just imagine if you can get a couple more field goals to go in. That goes up. So I mean, whatever I just said, nix it. He'll make the All Star game. He could, you know, because if again, the Suns I, are in one he, seed, they're going to twenty eight points. It's fixed happen. anyways. It's rigged. Did it's you listen rigged. to Jackie McMullen today? Busy no. guy over there. No, oh, I she said it's rigged. So I was right all along. I'm going to be listening to all those pods tomorrow. But that's a good transition. You know, let's talk about Dame. You know, he's struggling early the season. You could say it's the ball. You could say it's the Olympics. You could say it's the rule change. And I honestly believe that it's a it's kind of a combination of both with him. You know, he's had a, a choppy start to his season. He's and and when you look at his statistics, uh, it's, you know it's what twenty points a game. I think is what he's averaging. If that, it's like eighteen. It's, it's, it's tw- twenty point one entering. Oh wait, that's his per, No, no, that was his per thirty six. Yeah, it's nineteen point three, but he's shooting seven makes and nineteen point two attempts. So he's shooting thirty six percent. He's shooting twenty five percent from deep. I mean, Dame Lillard, and we talked about this, I think, four or five podcasts ago when we had our conversation about the Wilson ball and how, especially shooters, it's going to take them a little longer to adjust because shooting is everything to them. They're not the guys who are, who are filling up the stat sheet down low and you know doing little putbacks. You know, they're they're shooting a bunch of threes, especially with Dame who shoots them from fucking fucking half quarters. You know what I'm saying? And I think that. Uh, you know, it, it's going to take us a while for him to can continue to get into rhythm. Uh, his performance tonight against the Suns, 
you know, in his uh, 38 minutes played, he scored 28 points. He really started to cook in the that third quarter there. Yeah. Uh, 12 for 23, though. 12 for 23. Ugh. Uh, seven rebounds, seven assists, uh, but a negative thirteen on on the stat sheet. So, you know, what are you seeing from from Dame, and do you, is it correctable, or or is he just going to kind of be a little bit more inefficient moving forward, uh, th- at least this season? Well, I don't see anything. I don't even notice he's on the court. So that's just crazy, huge. huh? Yeah, because he's one of he used to be. I mean, he still is one of the scariest guys to be on the court. You know, it's one of those threats that you don't want out there when you're playing against, you know, a team like Portland that always has a chance to win every game. You don't want him on the court at the end of games. But right now, I just I don't notice him. I, I really don't. And with the comments he had where he released um, saying that the way the game is being officiated is unacceptable. Um, there you go. There's your answer, right? That's something that we thought, you know, would hurt Harden, would hurt a lot of these players that need to draw the flag. It's hurting Dame. It, yeah, Trey Young too. I mean, it's kind of hurting them, but they haven't sensed, like they haven't really, you haven't sensed any kind of frustration from them about the calls yet. But when he says that, then you know it's just, it has to do with that. So it's an adjustment. He'll probably get back to, you know, averaging the 30 points a game here pretty soon. But when you say that, it could be the ball. It could be everything that you said. But when you just have those comments, it just confirms that, yeah, that is something. And it is because this game right now, it's it's fast paced right now for the NBA. These games I'm watching, everything is just flowing very, very well. There are, of course, in the third quarter, the fouls kind of picked up a little bit for the Suns against Mm -hmm. them. And it was kind of getting a little bit nasty. But right now they're letting everyone play. And that's what you want. And I love it too. And it just has to be mentioned almost every pod because this is better basketball. I don't care if a Damian Lillard or James Harden struggles. You know what I mean? Because there's other guys that are going to succeed, like Frank the Tank. Yeah. So Frank the Tank is picking he's up the a, slack for Damian Lillard. He's allowed he's, to play, <laughs> he's, but, he but he's is. allowed to play a little bit more physical, and the game should be a little bit more physical because it is physical. And when you have little ticky tack fouls, you know that's bullshit. And you know the fact that Dame comes out and you know, says that the way that it's being officiated is incorrect or, I, you know, I'm not, I don't have a direct quote in front of me, but, you know, that's kind of the the sentiment that he put out there. Uh, it, it, it really kind of puts a mark against Dame for me. You know, I know you're a huge Dame fan. I like Dame and I respect Dame, but like I also have always been annoyed for that exact reason. He's the guy who when he shoots a three, he'll scream and Ricky Rubio would got get called for a foul. Then they'd show the angle and he's a foot away from, but he knew where the refs were and he was strategic and that was part of the game. And I get it. But even tonight he did it. There was one play where he's screaming. He's Mr. I'm going to scream as I drive. Like no one's touching me. He's like, ah, you know, and like, (laughs) and and I forget, I think it might've been Nader, but you know, he got the foul for that. And like, he annoys the shit out of me for that. And I hate that kind of shit because that's not basketball. And you're starting to see more and more of that shit being taken out of basketball. And now you have Dame in the corner just like, hmm, I wanted a foul. Like, I want to roll my eyes and not play defense now. Basically, you know? Yeah. And it's great because you're not rewarding that shit. And I just keep it up, NBA refs. Seriously, keep it up. Because yeah. Dame Lillard would go to the line. He'd end with a stat line of 35 points. And, you know, but 10 and he was 10 of 12 from the line. Because six of the, you know, at least three of those fouls were bullshit. Just bullshit. Him screaming, Ricky Rubio getting called for a foul when he was just around him. You know, he'd come or he'd come around the screen and just jump up into a guy and scream. So fuck that. That's not fucking basketball. Like you do that shit on the on the concrete, you know, somebody's gonna be like, you know, how about fuck yourself? And you know, so just 
again, it's it's interesting to see how Dame Lillard and other players are navigating this. And it's also interesting to see Dame Lillard be the first one to be, be like, I don't like how it's being efficient. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not going back, so <laughs> on Long John Silver. I'm yeah, trying, I'm trying, trying not like I swear, it's like down, I I, heard, I just heard somebody in the hall and I just maybe they're coming back from I don't know. You're fine, dude. Maybe they're just banging against. I just your feel wall. bad. I just feel bad. I, you know, whenever yeah. I'm, you know, but uh, <laughs> but again, Portland, uh, you know, second night of a back to back, we have to mm-hmm. call that out. And they're also a team now that is zero and six on the road. They're five and seven, so yeah. they are five, uh, and two, five and one at home. I'm sorry, five and one at home. Zero and six on the road. Ouch. Anything? Oh. I was waiting for the drop. <laughs> oh, is there a drop for ouch? Do I have that? <laughs> yeah. Let's see here. Uh, no, I got ShamWow. Does ShamWow work? <laughs> no, no ShamWow today. No, no ShamWow. A uh, couple of the notes I want to talk about before we get into the jam star of the game. Uh, loving the purple jersey selection this season, man. The Suns oh, are really, yeah. they're really going with, I mean, we. I think we saw the Valley jersey just once, and that was opening night. I think we saw the Valley so much in the playoffs last season. Like I'm okay with not seeing it, uh, but loving all the purple, man. I am too. And I wish they would have had another city edition Jersey this year. It was kind of cheap not to, but eh, that's the way it goes. Even though the Valley is beautiful. I mean, we've had some nice black jerseys too in the past and never came back. Um, keep it, but keep the purple coming. Cause that's one thing we complained about last year, right? Yeah, in the not enough of it. Don't wear the orange. I mean, maybe this Friday. Is it still Orange Friday? Probably some kind of Christian religion we have here in Phoenix. We have to wear the orange. So I don't. <laughs> I think that's what they're gonna do this Friday. But keep the purple coming because they look nice. And I don't. It's never an eyesore. It just they look more unified. They look more threatening with the purple. I think. I know it's purple, but it looks a lot better on these dudes. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's it's the Phoenix Suns, purple and orange, and I felt like that the purple became obsolete last season. And then we, like you said, we had the the friday orange fridays and that mm-hmm. kind of uh orange is good i just don't like those jerseys. it's okay but Sorry. yeah no i'm with I you i'm like with you 110 percent. you you've yeah. talked me out of liking those jerseys uh and i i can respectfully agree with you that the orange jerseys uh they're just it was time for a change like this was the opportunity like listen mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna bring back the valley jersey but we're gonna change the swingman edition or whatever that is we're gonna change this one this year they just didn't do it the sun's are like hey we're content now granted Short offseason, yada, 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 but whatever. Um, another thing I noticed in this game, quality box out by non-rebounding players. That's something that Phoenix hasn't done for a while, and I finally noticed it. You know, like campaign is boxing out Nurkic, and Frank's getting the rebound, and Frank's boxing out you know, Nurkic or, or whoever, uh, uh, Larry Nance Jr., and Booker's getting the rebound. I love that. I love team rebounding. And that's so important if you want to win these types of games when you're playing a guy, you know, because Nurkic can be a beast at time. Uh, if you're if you're playing effectively like that, now now granted, you know they out rebounded us forty six to thirty nine, but a lot of that came in the first half, and I feel like that was a good adjustment by Monty. Like, listen, guys, if you want to get the boards, like it's going to be a team effort tonight, okay? Because you know they they've got some long players on the Portland Trailblazers, uh, you know. Hell, Lillard even got seven rebounds, but uh, you know uh, Nasir Little, Cody Zeller, you know Larry, Larry Nance Jr. Their second team unit is really long, so you're gonna have to utilize team rebounding if you want to be effective in that area. And they did so in the second half. Mm-hmm. It's one thing we don't even worry about with the rebounding and the team rebounding. Of course, has to go up with Aiden out, but even like even I don't know, do, am I allowed to say his name? Nader even runs in <sighs> there. 
it's not always a rebound, but there's bodies down there to tip the ball out and all the good stuff. You know, the, the tips that I love to get it out to uh, another player. You know, you don't have to get the rebound, but he did tip it out of bounds after a block, which was really stupid. Okay, I'm not going to talk about him. But yeah, the team, re- even last year you saw with like, um, with Galloway, like he was a small dude, but he was such a good rebounder. Cameron Payne, of course, is a guy that's in there. I mean, it's not always a rebound stat, but it's it's the deflection. It's the things that these guys do, hustle, the energy. All they do is try to get as many attempts as they can on offense and, of course, get the ball run out um, from defense to offense. So that's a big focus, and you need to when Aiden's out. You got to focus because Aiden makes it look easy now. He really does, you know, and that's one thing that obviously – you know, we're winning games, so you're not going to be overly critical. But, you know, if we were losing games, you know, it'd be like, well, you know, we're losing the battle on the boards and D.A. is mm-hmm. part of that battle, you know, so you can not you, you can absorb some of the shittiness with some of the greatness like Frank Kaminsky. Uh, but again, it's just one of those things that you just keep an eye on, you know, keep an eye on the boards, keep an eye on how these players are starting to team rebound and setting each other up and see if that's something that if DeAndre Ayton continues to be out, they continue to try to deploy. Now, granted, team rebounding will hurt your your transition offense because you're taking two guys down instead of having one guy go up for the board and the other four are sprinting down. Uh, but the team, the, the Suns aren't necessarily a great team in transition when Chris Paul's on the court, when campaigns on the court, like, yes, they want to get out and run because campaign can beat you with speed and, mm-hmm. and put the the defense into compromising defensive sets because of his speed. Uh, but again, I, I I'm loving to see that, that team rebounding concept play out before our eyes against the Portland trailblazers. All right. It's that time, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for everybody who is watching to let us know, in the chat, who is your jam star of the game? So let us know in the chat who your jam star of the game is. If you're listening on a live, go ahead or listen along live. If you're listening on a plane flight to Houston tomorrow, hit that subscribe button. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us one of those five star reviews. We appreciate it. Helps with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Here from Boston. Uh, I think it's pretty unanimous, right? Like, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be showing off Frank, his guns. Frank Elijah one. Yeah, Matthew, you're the you're the Frank jam star for, for rocking the 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 Frank the Tank from uh, the Phoenix fans app. So shout out to Fe- the Phoenix fans app. But yeah, it's Frankie. Uh, even Chloe, Chloe Kardashian, she got a little love tonight. But the Tank, that's uh, Frank. Frank. Chloe is she dating Frank the Tank now? Oh God, I don't know. Man, that'd be awesome. Get them all it's, over here. Come on, Frank. Frank. It That's makes me so thing. happy that we like Frank Kaminsky's the the jam star of the game, and it's like you know, it's like I so love just that really, man. Really quick, um, before the season, the young players were like, "All right, who's gonna improve the most?" Right, <laughs> right now, it's not the youngest player. It's Frank Kaminsky. He's improved the most on this team, and it's not something that's just been one game. I know tonight was crazy, but that's what happens when you play him. I guess thirty-one minutes, and yeah. the defense doesn't know what to do with them because right now he's improving so much to where he just does. He looks like a different player. I keep thinking about him when he was signed three years ago. Oh, just yeah. a picture of him jogging down the court in a Hornets uniform, and I'm just like, oh, what is this guy gonna do? Now I'm just like, we're not worthy. We're not worthy to watch this guy to wear his jersey. I mean, it might be the next jersey that I want. Well, Cameron Johnson is still number one, but. Frank the Tank jersey. It has to say Frank the Tank on the back. Though. There you go. There you go. Well, I mean, it is uh, your your step pappy's number as well. Eddie Johnson. He wore number eight <laughs> while he your was step uh, yeah. step pepper. Your, your step pep. 
Uh, he wore number eight when he was here in Phoenix. But, you know, again, I mean, Frank Kaminsky comes from a great pedigree, right? National Player of the Year at Wisconsin. Somebody who looked like he had the ability to come into the NBA and his skill set, even as a seven footer, would tr- easily translate. And it just didn't. And it took time. And it's taken even more time, but with opportunity, with patience, with dedication, and being a positive force in that locker room, all those little things have equated to success for him. And, you know, maybe we don't need DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, whatever. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, but again, like the the fact that you could mildly contemplate that concept. Mm -hmm. and, And again, you know, James Jones is sitting in wherever he's sitting probably, you know, like row three, just kind of hanging back. He's got his mask on. He's just kind of watching the game. You, you know he's got to be doing fucking backflips inside because you didn't pay DeAndre in the max. You didn't do what every one of us said. Hey, this is what you need to do, James Jones. And James Jones is like, listen, I drafted Cam Johnson when none of you guys, you thought he was going 22nd overall. I drafted Jalen Smith, oops, uh, 10th overall when you, you know other guys were more on the board. He's like, and I didn't, and I didn't pay him. I didn't pay eight. And then granted, I don't know if it was Sarver. I don't know if it was James Jones. I don't care. It, he just, well, he wasn't paid. So he's on an earn it deal. And now you got fucking Frank Kaminsky out there playing like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar dropping 31 fucking points a night. It's just, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. To, it, again, it's in the grand scheme of things, Aiton is the right fit. But this is the same thing as last season when the Suns were eight and eight. And all of a sudden they're like, let's start starting Frank and see what happens, and great things happen. Like, the fact that you have this guy, he has the capacity to come in and perform at this level is just such a plus for this team. It's like, imagine being somebody who is a Portland Trailblazers fan, and you're playing the Phoenix Suns, and they got no DeAndre Ayton, and you're like, all right, dude, Yurkic, he's going to fucking... And you stomped us last time you played us, and Frank Kaminsky drops 31 on you. Like, I just... It makes me smile. Oh, no, can you imagine, though, the chatter... Every, all the chatter on the outside chatter where you don't sign DeAndre. And this is the hardest thing I think for GMs and players is not to listen to the outside, outside noise and just really believe that what you think is the right thing to do because it's so easy to give in, right? To really make these deals and like make these guys happy. But you have to remember it's a business too. And then you have to worry about the future of this team. So, I mean, maybe he made the right choice. Who knows? I mean, it's still very, very early, but also give a lot of shout, a big shout out to Chris Paul and every other player on the team, especially Jay Crowder giving Frank the option over and over again all night long. And because Frank was playing within that offense, he made himself very, very available for them, for them to keep going back to him. He made it easy for them, and they made it easy for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. So bet on it. Uh, We reach out on Twitter every game day morning. So follow us at Suns Jam and you can vote on our poll. And our poll today was quite simple. It was who's going to be the first person to score in the game. And we gave you only Suns options and we gave you kind of what the odds were. And overwhelmingly, the Jamsters voted for Devin Booker. It was a plus 500. So we put a buck down. If he wins, we get our buck back plus five bucks. Uh, Try to get us out of the hole because we're at like... uh, negative 322 on this season uh we're now at negative 422 because that dollar was wasted because robert covington scored the first point of the game so unfortunately uh we didn't execute that but you know what there's always next game we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep on trying matthew we're gonna make that money
Uh, we're gonna try. What the hell was that? Sound? I don't know how to respond. <laughs> uh, looking at the next game, we have the Suns at Memphis. Uh, the Suns are going to be getting ready to go on a three-game road trip to the Central Time Zone. They're going to be playing against the Memphis Grizzlies on Friday. Then they go to Houston and then up to Minnesota. That that Houston and Minnesota, those are that's a back-to-back. So uh, at Houston and at Minnesota. So, you know, tell me your thoughts on uh, Memphis. I know you got to be excited because John Morant, you get to see him. Um, tell me what you think yes. here. Suns get a oh, win? Man. Oh, I think the Suns do win, but this is such an awesome team to watch. Memphis, um, just be, well, actually, there's a few players like Dylan Brooks that we all hate, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a tough team to beat any night, and they're going to play any team they play, especially when they're out west. Very, very hard. Um, it's very easy to say, but I mean, we all know what Memphis is and John Morant, of course, might pick for the MVP of the season. The only way that happens maybe is if he continues to put up stellar numbers like he is right now, they get the wins against maybe an off night against good teams, but they're always going to hustle. They're always going to sneak out those pesky wins. And like last night or tonight, they actually played Charlotte and it was a closer game. But then again, you're playing a Charlotte team who's trying to prove themselves too, kind of in the same situation as the Memphis Grizzlies team. The Grizzlies might be a team that might make a trade, of course, at the trade deadline to maybe help them get over that hump, and that would help me be a genius that picked John Morant <laughs> as MVP of the season. But um, it's going to be interesting to watch. It can be frustrating to watch this Memphis team, but it's a team where they're not playing the Suns that I enjoy watching, especially the Desmond Bain, a player mm-hmm. you know the Suns were trying to trade back to get. And maybe mm-hmm. we should have just picked him 11th or whatever the hell we were that yeah. year overall. Yeah, he's he's who Sticks could have been. Uh, John Morant, obviously, stellar player, 26 points a game right now. He's averaging 7.2 assists, 5.6 rebounds, uh, 48% from the field, 36% from three, uh, but he only attempts, he attempts about five a game. Um, but just one of those electric players who can not only attack the basket, but get his team involved. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are six and five entering this game. They're a team that has Desmond Bain, Anthony Melton, Jaron Jackson Jr., Steven Adams. Uh, so they're definitely they're a team that's going to come at the Suns with a lot of size. So it'll be interesting to see if DeAndre Ayton is available or if, you know what, Frank Kaminsky just comes in and just fucking dominates them. Give the keys. So, um, did you guys pick a win or a loss on the last pod? Oh, we picked there? a win. We picked nice. A I forgot to put it in. So uh, it's fine. <laughs> I, we didn't know. Who, I didn't know who you picked because I was listening. I was watching the pod, but I didn't really have the volume on. So yeah, we picked a win. We keep picking wins. Way we're picking I was a win. Look at your guys' faces talking. <laughs> we're picking a win right now for the Phoenix Suns. So again, that's for the Fanning the Flames versus the Suns Jam session. Uh, pick them that we have a little contest we got going between the two pods. Uh, one of our you know, our good buddies over there at Fanning the Flames, brought to you by Buffalo Trace. Uh, Matthew, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here tonight? Uh, the only other thing is um, that's it. So I got a couple things I want to go through. First, uh, uh, happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. I know that tomorrow is Veterans Day. And again, I was at the Boston Celtics game tonight. They had a nice little ceremony, and I'm, su- I'm sure they did the same thing. Uh, at the Phoenix Suns game tonight. So my Uncle Ted, mm-hmm. former Navy guy, my Uncle Don, former Navy guy, uh, you know, I tip my hat to those gentlemen for their service. Um, and then, you know, just I want to talk a little bit about Boston here. So uh, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, it was really kind of cool. Like, so I'm, I'm staying wherever the fuck I'm staying. And I walked to TD Garden. And I walked across Boston Common. And I went up Beacon Hill. And I came down the other side. And then I ended up at TD Garden. It was actually kind of <laughs> cool, like, it, like, cause they have like their arena 
mm-hmm. but but they have like the train stations like right under it so you walk in you're like where the fuck am i like how do i get to the goddamn court but then of course you walk in there it's you know td garden there's just banners fucking everywhere between the bruins and the boston celtics they're just everywhere uh and it was just uh kind of a cool experience just absorbing a game there you know i've been to madison square garden but i saw like the harlem globetrotters play there so like to actually go and and see uh the boston celtics and the, the the one disadvantage i think is i sat in a row and like there was an entire like the entire row in front of me was one family the entire row behind me was one family and i had like no basketball fans to just kind of just kind of casually talk to because i wanted to kind of get their vibe on their own team like what do you guys think of marcus smart like what is the like everybody loves jason tatum every little kid there has got a jason tatum jersey just like every kid in phoenix has a Devin booker jersey so like i get that but i'm like i'm like what do you guys think about the schroeder trade or or acquisition you know like robert williams is clearly like your low-key guy that you guys all like right because every time he did anything everyone's like fuck yeah you know so (laughs) you know but uh that was really kind of cool to do that yeah Uh, that is cool man i'm i'm really impressed you just you sent me a photo of inside the arena i was super jealous right away that's that's one that's one thing off the bucket list i gotta go to td uh waterhouse garden whatever garden you gotta go to the garden uh (laughs) but it's been really interesting being here in boston um just kind of seeing i went on a mobsters and lobsters tour last Mm -hmm. night Uh, i'm sorry for everybody who's listening you have to hear me do my stupid impression of a boston accent (laughs) but uh, we love it it, 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 it's italian accent yeah (laughs) yeah i really fucked that up uh but you know we just went on a tour where you know they picked us outside of the hotel we went through boston they were just talking about you know whitey bulger um who like jack nicholson kind of plays in the departed in fact i took a picture of uh they filmed a scene from the departed i don't know knowing you you probably haven't seen the departed have you seen the departed yes i've seen oh, that thank a million God. times okay I love good the well normally i ask you if you've seen a movie and you're like yeah never heard of it um so there's a scene where like Char- uh martin sheens comes out comes out and he's like walking mm-hmm. they're starting to tail him you know yeah. it's, it's yeah. supposed to be the front of the police station so yeah. that's like that's like a block away from TD Garden, and it's actually a mental hospital. <laughs> that's oh, they, is it? That's where they filmed that. It was like a mental hospital. Okay, so the mental hospital, there's like no um, gated anything. It's just like a walk up kind of. No, there's no, there's like the, no, the, no, there's like a gate around the whole thing. Oh, okay, well, I mean, it's fine. Mental people, I mean, it's fine yeah. to be around them. I'm just saying, usually those yeah. places seem like a prison or something. Well, they're just a little I don't more think secure. They should be treated that way, but they're more secure. Yes. Yeah. But it was really cool kind of, you know, going through seeing these scenes uh, from Black Mass, which is another movie stars Johnny Depp all about Whitey Bulger. Uh, talking is that the about, guy he played in that movie? Yeah. Is Whitey Bulger? Okay, okay. That's, so that's who it is. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was just, it, it's cool. It's historical. You know me, I'm a history buff. I love this kind of shit. And then to have the opportunity to go to a Celtics game tonight, it's like once I knew I was coming out here, I'm like, dude, I hope the Celtics are, I'm like, I don't care if they're playing the fucking Raptors. Uh, I don't care if I have to hear O Canada before this, but uh uh, but it's been fun. It's been great. It's been a, a hell of an experience, and it's also fucking twelve thirty in the morning. <laughs> so it's yeah, different here. So you I know, shout out you to in. shout out to Flex who always comes on and does his shit like late at night. Like I don't know how this guy does it because I have to be up so goddamn early. But I know well, you got a rough life over there, John. Oh, hear yeah. about it. What are you gonna me? do? What are you gonna do? So uh, I think on that note, on that note, I just want to thank everybody who joined and is watching along live on YouTube. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button while you're here. Hit yes. the notification button; it'll let you know when we go live, which is after every freaking Suns game, uh, whether I'm in Boston or not. Uh, unless it was Monday, then Suns geek. He's got you. Uh, if you're listening again, subscribe, rate, review. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it right here on the pod. 
Uh, oh, here's another thing. One last thing before we get out of here, Matthew. So I was on that lo- mobsters and lobsters tour and the, the, uh, the, the guide, you know, he, like we were talking sports a lot, you know, he's, he's doing his thing yeah. and he's talking about all the fucking championships. Like, I've stood right on that corner for 12 different fucking championships. I'm like, fuck yeah. you. Uh, I'm like, who, I'm like, so what are your thoughts on Bill Simmons? He's like, who's dad? I'm like mm-hmm. Bill Simmons, the fucking podcaster. He runs the ringer, you know, and he's just like, no idea who that guy is. Like, no, I've asked like four people out here. I'm like, so what do yeah. you guys think of Bill Simmons? Because like I listen to him all the time. Like, Bill who? <laughs> yeah, they have their own lives, man. You yeah. know, just because him and Russell like the only two Bostons we know, yeah, <laughs> Bostonians. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're all gonna know him, right? Even and though Bill they're, Burr, they're pretty rich. I'm like, I'm like, I listen to Bill Simmons. Oh, they kind of know Burr. They, they, yeah. He's like, eh, all those yeah. comedians, I, even Louis C.K. from Boston. He's like, I listen to Crime Podcasts. I'm like, oh my god, get yeah. out of here. How about fuck yourself? So well, on that note, to to people. That's on that note, ladies and gentlemen, how about fuck yourself? All right. Go uh, home and, uh, I guess, love your family. Take care.